Hello everyone and welcome to Last Week in Localization. My name is Gabriel Karandrzowski and I'm joined here and I'm a guest host, mind you, uh, our, our wonderful main host, Sarah Hickey. She's on well-deserved vacation. So for this episode and the next one, I'm stepping in for her. And I'm joined here by my wonderful colleague, Miguel Sepulveda. Hi, Miguel. Hey, hello, Gabe. How are you? Doing good, doing good. So, yeah, um, this topic today is around pricing localization. But first of all, let's bring this down to 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 the NIMSI level for those who haven't heard about us. Um, what NIMSI does, we're a market research and consulting company focused in the language services industry. So we help our clients with topics such as international growth, uh, market research. We're working with a lot of different people, a lot of different audiences. So from the linguists to also the buyers and the providers of language services. Um, and in this segment called Last Week in Localization, we kind of go over the latest and greatest in terms of what is going on, what people are talking about, what are the different publications or the different research we got going. And so this brings us to the topic of how to localize price. And we have we have sort of an authority here on the topic, Miguel. Um, Miguel, don't wouldn't you mind kind of filling our audience in a little bit about what, what it is that you do? And you're very prolific from writer to manager to, to leader, thought leader of the industry. So why don't you fill us in a little bit on all the amazing things you're doing? Thank you. Um, yeah, I like this industry and I like doing multiple things. So I'm like multitasking, wearing different hats in different uh, areas. And um, I am part of an uh, team as um, a researcher and globalization specialist, um, which is a uh, a great opportunity to be there because it's um, so interesting, this industry that it gives me the opportunity to research, write, talk to different colleagues around very exciting topics uh, from multiple angles. And um, on top of that, uh, I'm also working for uh, King. I am in the video games industry. King, I'm probably more famous for being the Candy Cross makeups. So I have mm -hmm. also the opportunity to do globalization work um, for that area when it comes to uh, video games and uh, localization and uh, multi-market uh, games and all this. So I really like also uh, that part. And on top of that, I like writing, uh, some also writing in a personal blog, but everything at the end is like connected because everything is globalization, localization strategies, and everything is coming together. So, so yeah, I, I like this industry. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're very visible in it, and, and it's, it's great to have you on the team. I am personally enjoying it very much. So, but let's, let's talk about today's topic then, and that is, that is pricing localization. Um, to me, it, it kind of looks like an afterthought for, for a lot of companies. What, what, let, Guide us through the concept of pricing localization. What it is? What is it? Why are we talking about price today? Yeah, I find the topic of uh, price localization quite interesting in our industry because many times, what I have found uh, in my career, 
uh, is that when thinking about localization strategies, it's a little bit, as you said, um, it's not really considered kind of afterthought. Uh, the area of price localization is not usually at the top of the list of things to consider when we talk about um, global growth. Um, and to give some context by press price localization, um, I mean the process of adapting the price of a digital product or service to the local market in which uh, a company is operating. So that's my short uh, definition around what is uh, price localization. But really, it's not really considered uh, from the beginning, which is a kind of surprise uh, when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And we have our own data here at NIMSI, which supports the fact that it, what, what does matter to users across the globe? And one of our landmark studies that we did last year called Project Underwear, we were asking what are the deciding factors for people to buy? And in, in that graphic that, that you've seen there for a second is price is the most important factor for almost all of us, uh, eight users out of 10. Um, we look at the price tag first. What are your thoughts on that? It, it has really uh, an impact because I mean, in the in the industry, I, I think that uh, there there are different companies approaching differently um, when when it comes to price localization. There are companies and sectors that incorporate price localization as a component when creating the localization strategy, uh, while others is like. Uh, Oops, we did not really think about uh, that. So if I have to give some example of uh, companies or or different uh, verticals, uh, you could have um, Netflix, for example. Mm -hmm. It could be a good example of someone who is considering price and including price localization as part of their strategy because they have like different prices for the different markets and they even bring that to the next level, which is that uh, depending on the maturity of the technology for the different markets, they are going to have different subscriptions plans. So in India, for example, they could have uh, uh, entry level to consume Netflix in mobile or a basic level where you can have like a, a low definition or one screen. And then you might have a premium where you go to 4K or multiple screens and you have different prices for obviously adapted for, for the country. So that's like the model, for example, in, in the industry that when I look at uh, some company that they might be doing a good job here, that could be, for example, Netflix, that they take into consideration the technology, the demographic, and they put everything together and they implement that. So that's something that that is it's a, it's a good example, and uh, they are having this because it's matching what you just show in the in the slide. Price sensitivity it's important when it comes to to engagement and everything. Then if you consider, for example, uh, one industry that they know quite well, uh, which is gaming industry, that's mm -hmm. different uh, because usually there what you are going to have in most of the cases for many publishers. It's like the same price for pretty much everything. And um, especially in game content, and definitely especially in mobile games. And that's not necessarily 
this approach, uh, because what you might see, like, I don't know, like a coin of chess of five euros, five dollars for mm -hmm. Germany, maybe that's okay. But maybe for an untapped market, five dollars um, for one it's a lot of money. purchase mm -hmm. is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So I guess that uh, something else could be done there in order to, to adapt to meet the um, local users in a, in a better way. Right, and, and and it's very fascinating because what what I think almost is like for something as almost simple as price, there's layers of complexity to this. Like there's so much thinking that needs to go into this, right? Like if you there there's there's a ton of data that companies need to need to find on how much people can even spend in those countries and what are the what are the patterns of spendings, what are what are the types of items they are willing to spend on. So and, and and from there a question comes to mind like how does a company that has no idea how to go about this uh, look for this type of information uh, or rather what type of information they should be looking for uh, and out of your personal ex experience as well what what are those data points that matter in, in such an instance? I I think that. Uh... The first thing is to understand is that uh, you need to have a price localization strategy in place. So that's mm -hmm. the first thing to, to realize. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so once that's it's, it's there, uh, then I think that for companies, there are basically at least a couple of options because you can start with um, mm -hmm. what I usually call cosmetic price localization, which is ensuring that at least you have the proper exchange rate so ensuring mm -hmm. that in the the API of a website such as uh, XE, you have always connected there the proper exchange rate. So when you do the, the rate exchange from one country to another one, that's properly done and there are no bugs there. So, so mm -hmm. that's something important. Then you have to include at least the proper currency. I have seen in, in many cases that uh, some stores they are not putting the price, the symbol, uh, assuming that it might be mm -hmm. the dollar or that it might be the euro, but you have to include at least, I don't know, the yen or the rupiah or whatever you are doing for the different countries. So right. ensuring that in the phone package, you have the right currency, because if it's a set 7.25, what was that? And I have seen that, um, in especially reported as a LQA bag, uh, that the, the currency is, is missing, right? So. So that's important for a for a user to, to know what are the different meanings of the of that, and uh, the last level that obviously uh, you you know that is super important is the language. Uh, language is something that you need to include also as cosmetic. By cosmetic here, I don't mean necessarily that it's easy. Is that you need to touch at least three uh, areas to to have the words translated. So the Typical localization effort, and then the um, currency one, which might fall into internationalization category, and then the exchange rate. So that would be like the minimum that, uh, in my opinion, you should have uh, as part of um, your price localization strategy. Um, but but there is more. I mean, if you want to offer a more efficient price localization strategy, I think, in my opinion, you have to go a step beyond the cosmetic part. We must include important areas such as the, the interest of potential customers. 
mm -hmm. and uh, the particular situation of each of the of the markets. Um, and basically, if we think about it, uh, for, for example, uh, users will value your price differently depending on whether the product meets their expectations or not. Um, it also depends on the competition to have in the different markets you want to, to enter. Um, and then finally, the purchasing power, um, mm. because as we mentioned earlier, salaries in Germany or UK will be different for emerging markets. So purchasing power is something that you have to include also in your price stabilization strategy. So there are different levels. Um, and, and based on that, I think that you need to go step by step. You can start always with the cosmetic part. And when you nail that one, maybe you can go to the other one. So little, little, little steps until you find your model. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, uh, there, there's a ton of ton of information that that companies really need to think about. And 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 thanks for kind of sum, summarizing that a little bit. So I, I'm I'm cu curious here. Um, such a topic. Who usually owns it in the organization? Because our starting point is here as language professionals. So in the localization industry or in the translation industry, but if we're touching really on an element that has consequences beyond the language aspect of it, right? We're touching on elements of user interface or design. So who are the people like normally that need to worry about this? Is, the, is it the marketing manager for a particular country that should be aware about the need to localize the pricing? Or is the product owner the person that needs to be exposed to, the, to what this can offer? I think it's both because one is one will be focusing on um, marketing aspects such as the cost of user acquisition or such as the cost of um, having running a campaign in the different uh, markets mm -hmm. or the KPS expectations, how much money they want to make in each of the countries. So usually that's that will be coming from marketing and uh, they will have access to some sort of data and they will have to compile and research other data or contacting with companies that they already mm -hmm. have uh, data about uh, market research and market sizing. So, so that will be one part that is coming from marketing. But also product um, is going to be important because there's going to be some changes when it comes to price localization, but they need to be driven from the product side, um, which is everything uh, related with internationalization. So I just mentioned about the currency. So currency and everything and, and all the tech part uh, that we need to do that, that's going to be driven from, from the product side. So they need to go uh, to work um, uh, together. And um, what is important is that it's clear uh, which are the the goals uh, for the different uh, markets, and then uh, understand how marketing is going to be working together with the product, and how product is going to uh, feedback then to to marketing. So, yeah, together is better. Right. So the 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 more buy-in from all sides, and also from the language services departments, I assume, with their knowledge of the of the local markets, the uh, if if companies are able to reconcile those those different views and, and objectives, then it's all, all for the better, right? Yeah, because also quality expectations are going to be different for the different uh, countries. So you might have uh, some 
quality expectations from a marketing side, but usually then localization teams working in the product teams, they will give feedback about how to approach quality for Japan. And their expectations mm -hmm. in Japan, the expectation of a person in Japan is gonna be different from my expectation as a Spanish person. My tolerance for error will be higher perhaps uh, than a Japanese. So all these different things, it's, it's a good idea to include that in focus groups, research uh, groups, things like this. So you have the proper expectations of quality because quality expectations, then you need to link them to price expectations. So mm -hmm. um, everything is, is coming together. So it's many different variables that you need to consider and you need to put everything on the umbrella about uh, price localization, but there are multiple uh, moving pieces that you need to master. That's why I don't think it's just marketing's call or the product call because everyone will have something to say in defining the localization price strategy. Right, and, and that's a very good point. Now, how about, and, and let's think bigger here, bigger picture and, and so strategy. Why is pricing localization something companies should have on their minds? Is this a driver of growth if done properly? And we have a little graphic here that illustrates that. Like, what are the different le levers for achieving growth? What, what is your perspective, Miguel? I believe that uh, price localization should be part of any spatial strategy because it is one of the engines that contribute to the global growth of a company. And when we talk about international growth, uh, marketing teams usually measure the success of growth with metrics such as uh, user acquisition, as, mm -hmm. as we are seeing there, or, or retention that we, we also see that one there. Um, obviously, these metrics are important. I will not be the one to argue that user acquisition is something uh, it's important. We have to monitor that. Um, but the price of the product is also something to pay close attention um, because if the price is not localized or if it's not well aligned or calculated uh, according to the purchasing power of each local market, then retention will be affected. Um, if the product is perceived as expensive for a local market, it's practically impossible that in the long-term metrics related to user retention will be good. So that's why I think that all those levers that we have there in, in, the, in the slide, I think that they are all important. And pricing is an afterthought, but, and, and usually it's still the case that more focus is on acquisition and more focus mm -hmm. is on retention. But price needs to be linked at because otherwise um, retention will not happen. You will have mm -hmm. a peak in one month, then it will stand the decline because people will not be able to keep that that well. Exactly. So it needs to be summed out and considered that it's it's important and that uh, adapting the price to the local market to the local users is the right combination. And, and so another thing that comes to mind here is what what about the risks? So the, the risk is practically of people not spending money. That's a concrete risk in the end because the price is not adapted. But you touch on this a little bit in, in the in the article that you wrote as well. Um, what about abandonment of cards, of paying cards? Um, what, what are the risks there if the 
pricing method and the whole payment method is not adapted? What I have seen, and I see this even as, as a user uh, or a buyer myself, is that um, in the moment that you are going to pay, it's important that the full experience is localized. Um, mm -hmm. We've seen in, in different reports that if, uh, if it's localized, it feels better from a buying perspective because you trust more the site. Um, the same it goes when it's adapted to the local currency and if you perceive that that is being adapted. Um, and there are many cases that uh, people start buying something and there is one point that if they perceive that it's not well adapted to their needs, either because it's not localized or mix English with another language, Mm -hmm. Or if it looks weird, the paging method that is not like the typical paging methods, um, people will quit because they perceive that uh, mm, this looks weird. So the closer you are to the wallet of a client, the bigger the effort uh, you have to make to, to speak that language. And to speak that language here is like the combination of everything. is the language, is the price, is the payment method multiple, multiple things. So um, to offer the full experience, uh, you have to touch every single point. If you are missing one, um, still you might have some people buying, but you might leave money on the table. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, very spot on. Um, we're talking about something that is very central in this sort of company versus end user experience is this the whole process of finding a product or a service or wanting to 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 come to that mo moment where that person pays up those are that's the most critical funnel for a lot of companies that we're seeing and and the logic there is to make that experience as smooth as natural as possible so if you were really coming from this maybe perception of adapting price locally being an afterthought to something that should be central to what these companies are doing because it plays this is this is where they make their living right so it's really a no-brainer of why they should adapt it and at the same time um i think it's um it's a question of um inclusivity um mm. because uh, usually many products are designed in English and uh, there is some bias there around, okay, this is how the rest of the world uh, will be using the product. And um, then there's not like a proper thinking around, okay, what do we need to do to deliver the same experience in the English product than in the localized one? And it's not just the language. It could be just also, we are talking here about price. It will be also the, the method of uh, pay. So if you go to, to Japan or if you go to China, uh, they will pay there with uh, different uh, methods. Um, mm -hmm. Over there, uh, which chat online might be popular, while here in Spain is not popular to pay with that. There are other countries that uh, they might be paying with uh, WhatsApp for businesses, while in others, mm -hmm. WhatsApp is not a thing. So, um, or the same in, in the US, that WhatsApp is not that common as in Spain or Italy or, or some countries. Um, so it's about having all these things together. So you think, okay, let's not just replicate the 
uh, English um, experience and just go through the credit card or PayPal or whatever. Let's see which is typical in each of the different countries. And then you include that in the market's requirements as part of your localization strategy. So it's all these that you have to take into consideration. And that's why perhaps it's an afterthought because uh, it might be intimidating at the beginning, but at the same time, that's why you need a localization team or some localization expertise. So they tell you, hey, um, let's ensure that we are not delivering different uh, user experiences just because they don't speak English or because they are not in a English speaking country. There's some more tweak here to, to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I feel this is a nice segue to to maybe a, a more overarching sort of meta topic that we're touching on here, and that is user experience. And I understand this is this is your forte, Miguel, right? And and something that you've you've worked on a lot. So uh, it it almost it feels like there is a checklist of sorts when when companies need to or want to go global. And user experience and and providing that all around smooth user experience is part of that. So how do you, you know, and even from your experience, how do you bring about that topic that we need to, um, where we're just focused on on the numbers, you know, the total addressable market or the population or how much money they can spend? How do you bring about this, this conversation of, of UX? One, one way of doing it is to pitch the idea that uh, localization is actually user experience. And um, I think, and I'm not sure why, that uh, quite often people forget that language is human and it's all about creating a user-centric experience. So quite often when I'm in some meetings and, and I hear about, okay, let's make this user-centric approach, blah, 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 all these buzzwords. I'm always surprised that no one is really talking about the language because there mm -hmm. is nothing more human or more user-centric than the language and language and culture are coming together. So designing user experience without thinking about localization, it's weird to me. That's why I'm making an effort to ensure that uh, this kind of silos are broken and trying to find ways of bringing things together. Um, and there are ways to, to bring this together because when you started out um, thinking about user experience from a localization perspective, you are going to have uh, this layer of um, culture where you have different colors for different uh, countries that they have mm -hmm. different meaning. Um, so that's something that I have seen in web pages that it's done very well. So they might use red for China and they might use a different color for a different um, web page in a different countries because red has a different uh, connotation. They might use different pictures uh, to to illustrate that. So so that's something also to, to consider that you could think about, okay, why a picture is relevant. Um, but I have seen that. I have seen that in cosmetic, cosmetic products that uh, they have different pictures for Asia, than for Europe, than for the States. So that's also localization, even if it does not look like localization, it's image localization. So you have to think into, mm -hmm. into that um, also as part of the user experience. What to say about the checklist that we have about uh, internationalization, everything that you need to consider for the fonts. So the proper fonts is displayed for the 
all the languages that they have special characters or special symbols or different needs in terms of uh, length or verticals uh, size of the characters so that's why again as as i mentioned earlier that together is better with uh, marketing and product here together is better between uh, content creators and uh, localization specialists because they are going to be creating some content mm -hmm. uh, again useful in english but you would need to have some sort of guidance when it comes to the localizability readiness about language inclusivity because language english is easy in the sense that you don't have like a gender and then you have a masculine feminine in spanish or italian or even more complex in russian or german with the neutral so all these things are things that you have to to consider because they have an impact in the in the ui so it's uh it's an interesting topic <laughs> yeah absolutely we, we could go on, on on about this for for a while still and yeah. we, we will still do uh, i i like what you mentioned there about the the notion of and i and and it kind of you know rewind the years and i think about it language is really central to how we understand the world if you it's it's it for little babies and i and i see this because this weekend we we've visited our, our niece and a nephew the the way you talk language is how you frame a little child's understanding of the world and that is how you kind of how, how you perceive the world so hence the importance of if you if you don't understand and this is the language element if you don't understand what it is that the product does for you or can do for you you just tune out and and the same goes for the sim the currency symbols you see and and all of that so i like this notion of of or rather, uh, people. It would be good if people thought more about how language affects us. It really shapes how how we see the world, and when it comes to the to the content, um, it's really it's really good to understand that uh, different countries they are going to have different dimensions around how they consume content. So so something that they put together for the for the learning of the UX is this half study dimensions that what they study is that the way you communicate to users uh, needs to be aligned with they how they are feeling in the different uh, different uh, dimensions there which are like um, uh, power distance for example so there are some countries that the power distance is super visible and that 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 is clearly something that you have to consider when you are um, creating a product, because there's going to be some countries that they feel comfortable if you tell them you have to do this, you have to click on that, that you have to press this button. There are some countries that, uh, that, that they are totally fine with this sort mm -hmm. of you have to, because that's how they live in the culture. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's fine. Uh, but if you take that approach to other countries, um, Scandinavians are a, a great example of this, where the pyramid is not that clear and where everything is a little bit more like a kind of flat, again, and the relationship between the managers and the employees, there is not that sort of respect in the way of you do what I tell you because I'm the boss. That's not how, how it works there. So if you have uh, the content there and you go in the same level of English and you just do the same for Norway or Sweden and you just start like, you do this, you do that, you have to, you do, you do, you do, you do, then that's problematic because it's a more inclusive um, culture. 
So something that I saw uh, when doing the analysis uh, that I really like how they do it in McDonald's, uh, which they have websites, as you can imagine, for all the markets in the world. If you go to the Norwegian webpage and you read the copy, it's going to be super different from the one of Mexico or the one in the States. It's absolutely different, even if you go to the same section. Um, so that's super funny to, to see. And um, also another, another dimension that I found interesting that it affects the copy, it's um, the sense of belonging versus individual um, countries versus collective countries. So if you are in a country which is more individual based, um, for example, in the United States, if you go to the page in the McDonald's, you are gonna see a lot of things that uh, you get it because you are somehow special and uh, you get this and you buy this and you get that. So it's everything like uh, you, you, you. Well, in mm -hmm. the, and even in the design, you will see that uh, there are no many references, but something interesting that I found is that if you go to other countries that they are a little bit more collectives uh, and that they fund, let's say it's more put on the collaboration, uh, like Mexico, then you have like uh, the happy meals and all these things are presented like uh, something that you do together with your friends, with your family. Even you will see references in the web pages to, to share in Instagram, for example, as part of your little joy moments. And uh, you will have also options to become part of the club uh, in that country, because it's perceived that it's, you need a drive, you need your collective to be included there. And you will not see that in a individual country where it's more individual. So at the beginning, you might not think that all these kind of things might be related to user experience or localization. But then when you understand that there are different dimensions for the content, then you start thinking, mm, okay, so I need to adapt my content depending on all these different areas. And I need to have a different approach for the different countries. Because if I have exactly the same approach for every single country, um, you will not get the same level of uh, engagement. Um, Apple is another great example of how they do this. If you go to the Apple websites, you are going to see that it's different uh, for every single uh, market. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's powerful. It takes time because you have to do it a lot of research, but uh, it's really worth yeah. it, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a it's a vast world. So so many different parameters, as you mentioned, from the use of color, um, but also and something we covered and worked on together as well like the the elements of culture or religion that seep through into the product design the way images are used and and is for some images convey uh, um, or are purely informative for others they convey some special meaning so um, there's there's a lot of different elements that that companies need to need to take into account so i have a question there now bringing this this back to the original topic on and, and that is that is price um, we we talk about these differences and and maybe for us Westerners or us at least Europeans you and I we are so used to seeing or most of us seeing um, items or products in in the same currency or have the equivalents or on the on the little etiquettes of the items have the different conversions to the different uh, 
um, different currencies of, of Europe. But what are maybe in your experience some of the jarring examples of maybe in, in, in America or in the United States and in Europe, we are pricing products or services quite similarly, but maybe there are examples like that, that maybe in India or in Japan or Korea or Indonesia, um, that type of product does not hold that value in the eye of the customer. Do, do you have any examples like that in mind of such a disparity where even, even in your past experiences, you, the, it was quite different from the price you had for those Western markets? Um, in the video streaming or streaming in general, uh, like Spotify, for example, they are doing a, a good job also to have uh, like different prices for the different regions. And uh, they, they are including different variables there to consider the price because it depends on the quality of the music, uh, but to offer quality lossless music, you need to be in a country with the uh, internet is the, the white uh, of mm -hmm. the internet is super fast. Otherwise uh, you cannot offer um, high lossless quality music because it's not supported. Um, and the same for actually your hardware. Uh, you need to have uh, headphones that they are compatible with that type of music. So you need to have like a different columns there where you go and you say, okay, tech uh, maturity. Uh, what's the tech maturity in this country? And you go there to the hardware at different levels. Like uh, if we are talking about something that is consumed through mobile, uh, which is the, the mobile uh, handsets that they, that they are used there. Um, in the case of mobile games, it would be uh, if you are having one game that is uh, three, three gigas, four gigas, uh, you need to have uh, countries where the uh, space of the phone is generous because in some countries there is the 16 gigas. So that would not be enough in, in many of the cases. So you want to go into some markets where 64, 128, something like that is kind of uh, standard. So you need to build that uh, table with multiple columns and uh, think about technology and think about uh, the other parameters. Um, because to determine the prices um, for this, you also have uh, different approaches because you can go easy and you just go to the, uh, which is your cost, then you add the margin and that's basically the price. Um, mm -hmm. So you sell by more from what is costing you. So easy, uh, but it's not the ideal because uh, customers, uh, they really, focus on value, not in your internal cost. So it could be a little bit tricky. Um, another, another model that I have seen other companies is just have a look to your competitor, <laughs> see which are the prices that they are offering. And based on that, more or less, you have your price. That's okay if you are totally lost. <laughs> if you are launching something, I don't know, for Vietnam and you don't have any clue about uh, what's the right price there. Mm -hmm. You might have a look at your competitor and that gives you an idea. It's okay to, to start with, but it's not the best approach because you are basic, you're, you're basing your growth, having the reference of your competitor. 
So sooner or later, you will have to have your own system because you cannot rely forever on your competitor prices. Um, and then, then you have like this uh, level that I was mentioning about uh, Spotify or Netflix that they really focus on customer demographics, budget behaviors, cost of living, each of the countries, technology uh, of each of the countries. And with all these variables, uh, they find a sweet spot for the price of the product. Right, and and we're you're mentioning some of the poster boys of of how to how to run a global operation and how to really cater to the different audiences, and they are they are quite visible on on the back of their success. Would you say, and and in your in your opinion, is there room for error here for a company that is basically just starting out? Is there room to experiment with this or is, if we're talking about price, something you cannot afford to, to, to mess up uh, if you're starting? In my opinion, we are lucky nowadays because it's easier than ever to iterate a product. Uh, back in the days, mm. uh, like in this kind of waterfall world, uh, it was a little bit more problematic. But now in this agile world, um, it's very easy to do a, a test and mm -hmm. see if you have the, the results you want. So you can segment uh, one, one country and you can put a price matrix there and see for a number of months if that's giving you the results you, you want or not. And then you tweak that so you iterate 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 until you find the results you want and nowadays that's easy and we are talking about uh, mobile apps that's even easier because we have a lot of uh, data points uh, for for all the clients so you just need to to have this kind of uh, lean startup uh, mindset and you come up with uh, some kind of uh, pilot you test your hypothesis you validate your hypothesis you might be wrong, you might be right, you don't really know, but you just start small scale and um, then you build upon, upon that. So it's all around uh, having a prototype and test uh, your idea. You don't even need to have the final strategy uh, for your product or your final strategy for localization strategy. Uh, you just need to test the idea and learn from the mistakes, if any. Mm -hmm. I, I I like that thought. Uh, learn learn from the mistakes of others. Uh, do your own. Um, yeah, make yeah, your yeah. own mistakes. Um, Life is short. I mean, if you can <laughs> skip the your own mistakes, just the space on 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 the learnings from someone else's mistakes. Yeah, you're you're right in that. In today's world, uh, it, the mistakes of others are visible. So there is great learning material there, right? Isn't it? Isn't there? Um, so how about we summarize a little bit for those those tuning in and uh, on the different platforms that we are streaming streaming this event to? We are talking about pricing localization and why it's important to to get the price right practically. Um, the you mentioned this is this is a multi-dimensional exercise isn't it uh, there's there's a lot of layers to it and we're not just talking about price but elements that touch on the user experience and the way users interact with price uh trigger those buying decisions that varies from country to country and from culture to culture there's also the element of as you mentioned 
bringing everyone to the table and to expose how this is a crucial thing. Um, so if we think about it sequentially, and let's say you're having this discussion with a peer, how would you bring this about? You know, points one, two, three. What what comes to mind? The 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 first one is to is to explain them as I mentioned that they understand that um, localization is user experience. Mm -hmm. So you start with that, uh, and you pitch the idea about why. That's that's something that is is really related. Then there's going to be one point that you will start bringing the topic of uh, culture into the equation. And uh, then there's going to be one moment that you cannot really think about uh, culture without thinking about price and values and currencies and all this. So mm -hmm. little by little, you are bringing them into like, but why you cannot have like the same price of everything? So mm -hmm. you are little by little bringing them around, okay, we have the language, we have a language which is user experience, and the culture is important for that, and uh, price is related to culture. So once you happen there, I think that you need to start thinking about, um, understand the market you want to enter. So there's gonna be one point that you say, okay, how do we, do we expand globally? Uh, which countries, uh, which markets we will start with. So market sizing is something that you have to, to do there. Once you know your countries, uh, you will have to start thinking about uh, internationalization. So actually you can do that in parallel because uh, sooner or later you will have to have global uh, code readiness. So you just need to ensure that uh, your website, your digital product, whatever you're building, is able to manage the, the different uh, variables for, for the different uh, markets. So, so that's something that you have to, to include there. And, uh, and uh, also what is gonna be important is that at that level you start talking about the localization strategy and by localization strategy there, it's gonna be everything that we know in the industry around, okay, how, who is gonna translate this thing that we are doing, who is gonna manage the localization program, how much money we need for that, which is the budget that we have here, how we are gonna approach uh, localization QA, which is the technology that we are gonna use for that. So it's, it's a lot of things uh, that you have to, to consider there, but the trigger for me is to pitch the idea in a powerful way so everyone understand that you cannot remove a language from the equation of a user experience and that you cannot remove a culture component about uh, customer-centric uh, satisfaction. So it's like a Lego, little pieces that they are coming all together. Oh, that speaks to me a lot, Lego. Uh, great thoughts, Miguel. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. For those of you, um, you know, listening in, if you have questions, comments, suggestions, drop them in the files. And oh, we have some of your, so let's take a look at that. Great, so I love the examples. Miguel used to illustrate the different halves to the cultural dimensions with the website of McDonald's. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, and we have our favorite colleague, Belen Aguillo Garcia, dropping the name dropping a course there. And yeah, you mentioned that, Miguel, UX course. What is that? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. That's a course to explain that localization is user experience. <laughs> <laughs> because they, you need 
what what I found uh, in my career is that you need uh, a framework mm-hmm. and uh, you need to 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 have data and a method to explain why localization is uh, user experience and uh, in that course uh, what uh, we were putting together are in different lessons which are the different elements that you need to to consider and um, it's built like into um, different areas. So why colors are important when creating a digital product. So that's something that is explained there. Uh, why it's important to to write in uh, proper English, not using like a lot of slang or which might be the risk if you do that. And we offer uh, some solutions around how to write uh, friendly localization content. Uh, there are also some examples around the tech part uh, because in our industry, localization is like this link is intersection between technology, culture, the language. So there are also some references there about uh, what you need to, to take into consideration from a tech uh, perspective. So it was uh, different lessons. I also have some examples about the cultural dimensions of Hope Study. And examples uh, for for what um, I mentioned briefly earlier with McDonald's and uh, other companies that they are doing an effort uh, there that I think that we can get inspiration from from those things. So yeah, different lessons. Um, so everything that you might need to to start a localization program and user experience program from scratch. So you have the the framework and. Um, resources also there so it's complex and uh, to be honest I did not find many courses and that's why I okay let's let's make one because there is no really much out there if you look about user experience you have a lot a lot mm-hmm. but if you look about uh, and you will localize and user experience or how to design content for international audiences you will not have that much so that's why I was happy to put some content together uh, and uh, we will do more of that because it's a fascinating topic. Absolutely. And with that, Miguel, thank you very much, Senor, um, for sharing your insights. Uh, fascinating topic uh, delivered by a very fascinating person. So thank, thank you very much for, for your time. Much appreciated. One last parting question here, and and we had a, a little bit of a chat on the sidelines, pun intended, before before this uh, before this live stream. Miguel, prediction time: Italy, Spain. What's the score tomorrow? Hmm. And for those of you who wonder, we're talking about the Euro 2020 happening in 2021, which is down to the semifinals starting tomorrow. So, Miguel, prediction time. Prediction time. Okay. Uh, let's be patriotic here. Um, Spain in the penalties. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I agree with you. It's going to come down to that. Uh, Miguel, thank you very much. This was last week in localization, uh, where we talk about what is going on in the industry, hot topics, uh, publications, research, or events that are happening that merits their own dose of spotlight. So, I was your host or guest host this time, Gabriel Kandyshovsky, joined by Miguel Sepulveda. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good one.